Welcome to Headed Someplace, a show where strong, inspiring, enduring women share their stories with us. I'm Kara, and today my friend Missy Salaji talks with us about raising her two teenage boys, one of whom has special needs. So we talk a lot about that on this show, also about travel, friends, and all that good stuff. So Missy, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do in life. I'm Missy Salaji, and I teach sixth grade English. <laughs> yes. That's my occupation, but I'm a wife and a mom and a taxi driver and a, <laughs> I mean, just a million things. So, Okay. And how old are your kids? 16. Jack is 16 and Nate is 13. Okay. I only have teenagers now. That's wow. crazy. Can you believe it? No. And I... I can't even imagine it, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be there one day soon. Uh, that's what I hear. <laughs> okay, so the first question I ask each guest before we jump in is to tell us a random fact about you that not a lot of people know. It's like our icebreaker. So go. Okay. Um, I've been kissed three times by Wayne Newton. What? <laughs> Yes, I know. Well, you said random. So yeah, that's so random. random. <laughs> okay, now we need a story. Yes, I need to yeah. know how this happened. Okay, so right after 9-11 and we were living in Vegas, the casinos on the Strip were like doing special things for soldiers. And, and one of them was Wayne Newton was letting uh, military people come in free to his show. And I brought my big camera. And I laid it on the table. And so it, when he walked through the audience and was like, whatever, crooning to different ladies, like his <laughs> fan club's always there. The Waniac, they call it. The Waniac. <laughs> yeah. So he came to our table and I know he spotted our big camera. And so he kissed me on the cheek and Des didn't move. And so <laughs> he, did, he did it again. And then the third time he was like, pick up the camera. <laughs> I'm doing this for a reason. I'm giving you some photo ops here and you're missing them. Exactly. <laughs> but lucky for you, Des didn't move the first two times. Oh, I don't know if that was lucky, but it was pretty funny. <laughs> okay, so your husband, Des, was an officer in the Air Force. And how long has he been out now? Oh, my gosh. You're making me do math in the I morning. I know. I'm so, Sarah. so sorry. Um, okay, so he got out in 05 and it's 2017, so 12 years good job. Your math is better than mine because I would have been like, I had to count on my fingers. <laughs> okay. And so you're an English teacher. How long have you taught English? I've been in public schools just two years. Last year was my first year, Okay, but I taught, um, I brought my boys home a couple years and homeschooled them at different times. I'm always curious because my kids aren't school age yet. Um, so I'm always thinking like options, what are we going to do? But what made you decide to take them out at the different times? Well, Jack, my older son, the 16 year old, he has autism and he had already done developmental pre-K two years and kindergarten one year. And he was still just behaviorally so behind. And I felt like the teacher shouldn't have to put up with what he was giving them. Mm. Like he was just such such a little pill. <laughs> so I tried it, but this is what was so daunting is that because he is developmentally delayed, um, you know, first grade is where they learn the bulk of reading. And I thought, oh Lord, I don't know how to do that. Like I know English. I can teach English to whomever, but I, I don't know the beginnings. I'm secondary. Right. So 
long story short, and I don't think it's because of me, it's just because of the nature of the disease. He's just always been delayed in that area of speech and reading and all of that comprehension. Right. And so, but it was a good idea to put him back. And then have you taken him out since then? We've done it all. We've done public, private, and homeschool. Okay, just whatever each kid needed at the time. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so for those listening who don't know what autism is, can you explain? It's a it's a developmental delay. Basically, their brains are wired differently. Our brains, if we're talking to someone and trying to um, interpret what they're saying, like we're listening and then we're about to get ready to say something, our brain synapses would travel a certain path. Well, theirs travel a more circuitous path, like their connections are just a little different. And um, parts of the brain are a little more underdeveloped than others. And with children, there's um, social emotional growth, there's um, intellectual growth, and there's motor skills. And um, from what I think, been a little while. No, yeah. But anyway, if they have more than like a 50% deficit developmentally in one of those areas, or I think it's 25 in two areas, then they are said to be spectrum. Okay. But most all have some sort of verbal delay. Like there's some never get speech. It just depends. Well, it is a spectrum. I mean, Jack is highly functioning. So we are very blessed in that regard. Some people never get to hear mama, you know, Hmm. we did, but that's not always the case. So I can speak for my kid and every, every kid with autism is different. So they don't, there's not a mold. Right, right. Can you take us back to when you first found out that Jack has autism? We had a really good set of military friends who had a baby 12 hours before we did. And then we had a really good set of friends at church who had a baby 12 hours after, or it may have been the other, I think. They're both named Joseph, which is so No fun. way. <laughs> That's crazy. One Joseph was born 12 hours before and the other was 12 hours after. And so we kind of got to gauge it a little bit because, you know, he, he was our firstborn. We had no idea what to expect. Right. And we didn't have any family around. So we just noticed that his speech was different and not just like he was having a hard time putting two words together yeah. at 18 months. And, um, and he could tantrum like no other kid I saw. And it was just stuff like that. And granted, Des did deploy a lot when we were in Vegas, but, um, but it was more than that. Yeah. Um, when we, when we went to the speech therapist, she was like, hmm. and she, you know, it's really hard to tell a parent something is wrong with your kid, but she, and, and I know they're trained. She did it so beautifully. She said, I think we definitely have something to go on to get him speech services. But from what you've told me, what do you think about seeing an occupational therapist? Hmm. And then months in, after we'd built a relationship, she was like, this is a great physician to see who can tell you exactly what's wrong. And it was a developmental pediatric neuropsychologist. And she was so highly sought that we were on her list for nine months before we ever got to see get him diagnosed. They got this diagnosis literally a week before they moved states when Jack was almost four. So they had first noticed it about 18 months that something was different and then spent that whole two and a half years in between in the unknown, thinking this was just something that would self-correct. It was really frustrating. It was overwhelming. 
it was really overwhelming. You kind of go in and out of stages, denial, and neither one of us wanted to call it autism. We didn't even tell him he had autism until he was about 12 when he was going into the private school. Okay. Because it was just a private school for kids with special needs. Yeah. But we didn't tell them that because we didn't want it to be a crutch. We felt like we had to prepare him, and we still do. We feel like we have to prepare him for those days when we won't be there. I mean, we're not going to live forever, and it's going to be him and or him and Nate. Yeah. For much longer than it will be us with him. Right. We felt like he he needed to learn to live in this world. Yeah, there there need to be some exceptions to help him cope, but we need to help him figure out how to live right. with others and not expect others to um, cater to him because that's not how the world works. Right. Okay, so I want to fast forward to now, 2017. Jack is 16. Yeah. Yeah. And he's driving, right? He is driving. Yes, <laughs> he's driving and he's he's got A's and B's in school and he's in junior ROTC. He loves it. Oh, that's that's awesome. the best. I know. I know. It's so sweet to see him in his uniform. Uh, it's a little unnerving too, but sweet. <laughs> <laughs> so what have been some like unexpected joys and unexpected difficulties along the way? Yes. You could probably do a whole podcast on that. (laughs) One of the difficulties was I could not leave him with anyone, really. Like, nobody wanted my family. We moved closer to my family. And no one really wanted to keep him. Hmm. Like, so we could go out or just have have some reprieve because he was hard. Yeah. um, I feel like he has a special spiritual connection to Hmm. the Lord. When he was four... Before he went to public school, he and I were talking, and I said, I told him that people were praying for him, and he said, he told me something to the effect that he had felt their prayers. Mm. I feel the people praying, I think is what he said, which is really just sweet. It is sweet. I just started bawling. That was a turning point for me, because I felt like, okay, God, you can understand. Not Maybe I did think God wasn't capable. I mean, sometimes we we go through those seasons. Mm -hmm. But after he told me that, I was like, okay, God, you're working on him. And I'm so grateful. And he loves, loves the Lord. He loves, and I'm just so thankful. Mm, Um, Oh, gosh, I'm going to cry. I think the hardest thing is that he doesn't have friends. He has acquaintances that are... Like, the kids at school are awesome with him. I, the kids in his grade level that he's grown up with are so sweet and protective of him. Mm-hmm. But um, but he's still not invited to do things with them after school. or yeah. And he's lonely. So yeah. one of the sweetest things that happened last year, though, this is a high. I was in my first year of teaching, of course, and you know how they do um, standardized testing at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. One of the moms that had come in to be a test monitor, we were kind of chatting a little bit. <laughs> Every once in a while, we were we were watching the kids. We were doing what we were supposed to do. <laughs> I wasn't um, even thinking you weren't <laughs> until, you, until you admitted that maybe you were not getting <laughs> to find out she had kids the same age as mine she had a daughter who was in the same grade as Jack and a daughter who's in the same grade as Nate and so she had two girls and I had two boys but they were the same age and 
um, she was asking me, well, how does Jack like, and she named our school, and um, I said, honestly, it's kind of lonely, you know? He's, mm-hmm. um, he doesn't really have any friends, and it's hard for him, and he doesn't eat with anyone else. And he used to, this is the, the disclaimer to that last statement, um, they did a really good job of trying to pair him with other boys to eat with mm-hmm. um, during the day, but he told me, he goes, Mom, I don't, they say bad words. <laughs> and so he segregated himself. Sweet Jack. He left and was eating by himself. Well, this mom, without saying anything to me, they looked through the yearbook, she and her daughter, and found him. And her daughter and her daughter's best friend, these two girls, took it on themselves to have Jack have a friend. And so they made sure that he had lunch with them every day. And when it was his birthday, when it was his birthday, they baked him like cake pops and brownies and gave him presents. Oh, Missy. I know. Wow. I know. It's so precious. It is so precious. I was actually like, one of the things I wanted to ask you was, what are some things that those of us who are not around you know, very many people with special needs. What can we do to teach our kids to be inclusive? But but also, what can we do to encourage other families or other parents? What are things that you'd say, oh, I wish that people would do this? I think the more you have your kids around other kids with special needs, the more accepting they will be of them. Mm-hmm. And um, I think the tendency as moms is if, if another kid is acting out, your kid doesn't need to play with them. Like you, you just ostracize them. You're, you're done with them. We're going on, we're moving on to a different group or a different kid, or we're not inviting them over anymore. But second chances and maybe trying to give even an hour of reprieve mm. to that family. I'm sorry. No. Would be a good thing. Yeah. 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 Can you tell us what is Nate and Jack's relationship like? That's huge. That's huge because, um, okay, there was one day when, I remember one day, oh gosh, Jack must have been in third grade, I think, and we were, he was in OT. Occupational therapy. Occupational therapy. So that's fine motor skills because writing is difficult for him. And then kids with autism have a lot of sensory issues not they don't all have the same sensory issues and they're not all as bad as some but Jack's was um like he was too rough with kids and and adults like he would just come jump on you he his um pressure points are different and he stands too close all kids with autism are space invaders mm-hmm. loud noises he has an aversion to really loud noises so like at church we have to wear earplugs and um, sometimes we have to just go in the foyer if it's too loud during the music and come back in and during the sermon or whatever. But um, anyway, it was stuff like that that they were working on. So the occupational therapist we took him back to work with him, and Nate and I were in the waiting room, the lobby, and um, there was a mom in there, and she said to me, which was insensitive, honestly, but I'm glad she said it. In retrospect, I'm glad she said it. Um, she said, just wait till the day that his brother surpasses him. That'll be really hard. 
And I thought, how dare you say that? Why would you say that to me? <laughs> That's yeah. probably going to happen to my kid, you know, because right. I was still clinging to the hope that um, he would catch up. There would be a day when he would catch up and everything would be fine. And um, that's just not the case. There's always something just a little quirky or just a little different or that he processes differently or, you know, it's always going to be like that. But I hadn't come to that conclusion yet. And so when she said it was maybe not the most opportune time, but I don't know what would have been opportune. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad she said it because I was kind of looking for it and mentally preparing for it so that I could help Nate through it. Because that was really difficult for him. So he was like, Mom, we want to play outside and we want to do a Nerf war. And Jack won't play with us. Like He's mm. so, so upset. And um, why won't Jack do a sleepover with me in the, in the Xbox room? Or, you know, yeah. makes it sound like we have a lot of rooms in our house. We do not. We just... <laughs> But you do have an Xbox room. <laughs> we do have one bedroom that has the Xbox in it, and it's not their bedroom. So anyway, when he started noticing it, it was hard for him. It was really hard for him because um, we always told our boys, your brother is your best friend. Your brother's your best friend. And so they still say that and, and mm. talk that. And they still do sleepovers yeah. together you know, because that's just them. They're friends. They're, I love that. Which is good. Which is good. You said um, before that siblings sometimes get the short end of the stick. What do you mean by that? I mean, because the child with um, with the special needs needs so much more attention, mm-hmm. um, sometimes the sibling gets less. I mean, they always get less. I think even when you think you're giving them the attention that they need, they, they don't Missy said that Des is awesome with Nate, and they have their fun little things that they do together, just the two of them. But she told me about another cool thing that Des has done a lot in the past with the boys. He would take them once in the fall and once in the spring to go camping, and that's when Mama got a night to herself. Like, I got to sleep in. It was awesome. And she remembered this one story a couple years ago when the boys did just like a day trip, either canoeing or kayaking. One of those where you have an oar. Nate and Des were in the same boat, and Jack wanted his own. And Jack is a speed demon. Like he, once he sets his mind on something, he's going to do it. And he's going to yeah. keep carefully first, you know. Like yes. he does not like to lose. He's not good at losing. <laughs> and for whatever reason, he decided this was a race. <laughs> Nate and Des were doing a more leisurely float. So Jack got so far ahead that they couldn't see him anymore. And they Des kept thinking, oh, we'll meet him up at the end of the route, whatever. And when they got there, he wasn't there. Oh, no. And so um, Des called me first because he was in a panic. And he had already Gosh. talked to the security guards. And Des doesn't panic. But I think the first words out of his mouth were, don't panic. And you're like, well, dang, no, I want to panic. <laughs> Anyway, he tells me, don't panic, but we don't know where Jack is. <laughs> oh my gosh, how does that happen? Yeah. Like, we've looked all over the souvenir shop. He's not there. And then it was a good thing I was home, honestly, because the number that Des knew or Jack knew to call was home. Oh. <laughs> so Jack calls me probably 30 minutes later and goes, Mom? I can't find dad. 
lost <laughs> And I said, where are you? And he told me he was in the souvenir shop. Come to find out, he was like right behind the security guard. Oh. And they ended up finding each other. But but in the meanwhile, meanwhile, Jack didn't have any water with him. And so for a long time, he sat in that boat to wait for dad. And then he got thirsty. And he drank the river water. Oh, we got to see the effects of that. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, the river water's revenge. <laughs> when each boy turned 13, they got to pick any place in the whole entire world they wanted to go, which is so cool. Jack chose Hollywood, California on his 13th birthday, and Nate chose New Zealand. And this is a trip where Des would talk to his son about sex, about what it means to be a man, how a real man treats a woman. So cool. They've also taken their kids to Florida, Nevada, Arizona, Texas, Arkansas, Washington, D.C., Virginia, Tennessee, Louisiana, Maryland, uh, the Carolinas. The list goes on. They scuba dive. They do ropes courses. They hike and kayak. Our boys love to travel because we've been traveling with them since they were little. Jack, his first airplane ride, he was about eight weeks old. Oh, wow. Yes. But you know what? I think newborn Mm -hmm. is like the best time to take them on a plane. For one, it's free. For two, they just eat and sleep. And if they wake up and cry, you just feed them again. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> nice that way. Now, toddler, like I'm just impressed that you you took them everywhere. How did you? How have you made travel a priority and not be daunting? Do you think it's just because you have always done it, so you don't know what it's like to not do it? It's not scary um, to take them. No, I get I get anxious because that's my nature. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then like eventually, I'm like, Des is like, <sighs> Missy, and then I pray more than I worry. <laughs> But um, you want me to tell you practical stuff on how to yeah, do it? Yeah, Is that what let's do, yeah, let's hear it. Okay, so I color-coded my boys. What? Oh, that's brilliant. So I would get them the same things or comparable things, but Jack was always blue and Nate was always red. And so they knew even before they could read which one was theirs, whatever it was, the drink cup or the backpack or the sleeping bag or whatever well on a plane an airplane ride what we would do is they they would have a snack they would have a drink and we I would put activities like I would stack it with activities we did a lot of um focus on the family does some um what are those called adventures in odyssey they loved adventures in odyssey Okay. So we we would get like a new Adventures in Odyssey for them to listen to, or a movie to watch, or or all of the above. You know, like yes. Um, Jack liked mazes, and Nate liked dot to dot. So we would do that kind of thing, or and then I would get them one small little brand new trinkety toy that they yes. could play with. So they were always excited to see what was in the bag, and we would always have a jacket because it's freezing on planes, and yes. um, a blanket because. Yeah, jacket's not quite enough for a little one. And um, you know what I want to have you do is do like a guest blog post on travel tips. Okay. Which I have a, <laughs> I have a, I have one up on the headed someplace blog with my travel tips, but it's more like how not to wet your pants when you're driving with just your kids. <laughs> 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 
Okay, the show is not over, but I want you to know that anything we talk about, I have up right now on our website, headedsomeplace.com, on our episode show notes. I'll give you the specific link at the end of the show, but I have a link to my Road Trippin' with Littles blog post up there. And if you would like to hear more travel tips from Missy, let me know and I'll see if I can get her to write them down for us. Okay, so something that's been really cool for me in hosting this podcast is that every single woman I've had on the show, almost when I ask them to be a guest, it's like, what? You want to interview me? Like, nobody thinks of themselves as the strong, inspiring, enduring women that I talk about. And it's been so cool for me to get to show these everyday women just how powerful their seemingly normal lives are for the rest of us. So... Missy, I think you really underestimate your wisdom because there's a story that sticks out in my mind that I will never forget where I really believe God put you in my life to give me a really clear picture of what motherhood is about before I even had kids. So there was one time, I think Jack was maybe 12 when this happened. You can correct me if I'm wrong. No, and we he were, was. Yeah. Yeah, he was 12. So we were working with the church youth group and my husband loved Jack. So they already, they already had kind of a, a connection. So one night Jack had just, I guess he'd been having some trouble with tantrums and things like that. And you guys just needed a little backup. So we had Jack over here one night and that night we sat down at the table and he was not happy about having to stay somewhere else that night. Um, cause we didn't have really good snacks and <laughs> and um anyway you said to him and you were so patient and you were so not wound up and maybe on the inside you were but you would you just seemed so like this piece about you and honestly I didn't know I was like nervous because I was like I don't know what to do I I don't know you know and my husband was Mr. Calm and Steady like hey this can be great and um you said Jack God gave us to you to show you what he's like And it would not be loving of us to let you continue down this self-destructive path. And I, you're talking and I was like tearing up thinking, oh my, that's what parenthood is. We're showing them what the Lord's like. And even now, that's like what I pray with them before they go to bed or when they're not in their beds. And I'm like trying to pray in their rooms at different times. It's like, help me to show, help us to show them what you're like, which changes everything. It does, yeah. Yeah, because it's, it's hard to do, for one, and we can't do it without His grace, but it changes, like, how do you discipline, Lord? What, why do you discipline? How do you love? Why do you love? I mean, it just, it, the whole mindset and that one thing that you said has really helped me in my prayers in being a parent. And I wasn't a parent then, and I didn't even see it in the near future at that point. And um, the other thing that you did that I loved, because it honestly reminded of my mom, also is so one of the things that Jack had to do before he was able to come back home was write down um, a few things of what he was sorry for what he was going to do next time there was a situation like that you had him write down some things like that that he needed to to tell you before he was going to be able to come back home so he woke up in the morning really early and he said all right I'm all packed up ready to go home and I was like okay (laughs) okay So Derek helped him kind of write out his thoughts and he called you and started to tell you, you know, why he was sorry, what he had done that he should be sorry about and what he was going to do next time that he got angry. And the next thing that happened made me like I was just sitting there holding back tears because you said, which he had you on speakerphone. (laughs) (laughs) So I got to hear what you said. 
you said, okay, Jack, I did the same thing and I wrote down what I'm sorry for and I wrote down what I'm going to do differently. And you began to apologize to him as the mom for things that you you could have done differently and tell him what you're going to do in the future. Like next time I'm going to, I'm going to give it some time and, and wait before I respond, you know, just things that I was like, Oh my goodness, the humility of this mom. And I don't know, it was just so beautiful to me. And it, and it did remind me, I feel like something that my mom did very well, which was quickly apologize to us whenever she was wrong. But in that scenario, I don't think I would have thought that you were wrong, you know, in anything, you know, it's easy to think as parents, they're just, they need to get it right. (laughs) Or that we're justified in, in whatever response we had, even if it wasn't so Christ-like. Right, exactly. And we're trying to just discipline. We're trying to show him what, you know, but you listened to him and you listened to what made him feel loved. And you said, okay, I can do that differently if you need that, you know? And it was just, I don't know, it was this beautiful picture to me. And Derek and I will never forget getting to learn from you and just that one night. And just thank you for modeling that for me. Um, The other parents listening that are in either similar shoes with children with special needs, or maybe they just received a diagnosis that's scary, whether whatever it may be. And, in, and these scenarios are all so different. You said there's no cookie cutter situation. Um, what encouragement or advice would you give to those parents? Um, find a tribe. I have three really great friends that um, our kids have kind of grown up together and they have kids with special needs and and I know I can call on those mamas anytime I need help and they will pray. They will put everything down and pray <laughs> that right then. Or if I'm just at my wit's end, they've, we've taken each other's kids, you know, or just to give each other a break or um, I've tried at different times in Jack's life, different support groups, and those can be great. They can be, or reading books. It can, it can be great, but I think maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just the way I interpret it. Every support group I've ever been to, you really have to pick and choose who it is, what voice you listen to, because a lot of them end up being a gripe fest. Mm-hmm. And um, I I knew that's not how I wanted to spend this. And it's, I knew that's not how I wanted to raise my kids. And I could very easily be swayed. And I just knew it wasn't what was best for our family. Um, so we I don't go to support groups anymore. Yeah. But it can be good, especially in the beginning when you're when you feel like you're lost and you have no idea what this is that you've just been given this diagnosis in a way it's so liberating to get a diagnosis and I know that sounds strange but I mean you've been dealing with some the unknown for so long it's nice just to get a label so you can think oh okay well let me go look that up let me see what that means let me see how other people have done it and in a way it's it's very hopeful and in the, and in another way um, you have to grieve it you do it, it it is a loss and I know that sounds weird but it's it's the loss of a dream because our dreams for Jack were, um, were we want him to be able to ride a bike and we want him to have friends in the neighborhood and we wanted to go to birthday parties of kids at school and we wanted to you know we wanted to get married someday and have his own family and when you get that diagnosis you're thinking oh can he do that will that ever happen for him and so it it's a death. I mean, it really is. It's the death of your dream for your child. And 
but it's also life-giving in that you can find a tribe and do really genuine, authentic life with some other people who are muddling through the same things you are. Yeah. So, um, it just takes a while, but you, you do go through the grieving process. I mean, the actual steps of grief, grief. So don't beat yourself up if you feel like you're just emotionally spent or all over the map or what have you. I asked Missy how we can get to know more families with kids with special needs if we're not currently in circles with them. She said that if you have school-age kids, a good idea would be to go up to the office and maybe give them your contact info and tell them they can pass it along to families that are looking for typical peers for their children to hang out with. Um, Missy also informed me that many children with special needs are in the foster care system, and a great way to help is to get certified in what's called respite care. This is how you can be available to give parents those date nights or afternoons, taking their kids so that they can have some time to themselves. I have some links up on headedsomeplace.com slash podcast slash zero seven because it's the seventh episode, so you can look into this if you're interested. Also, if you attend a local church, maybe reach out to your kids' ministry people and let them know that you'd like to be available for any families with children with special needs, and maybe they can pass along your info as well. Okay, so I know I always end the show asking the guests if they could go back five to ten years and tell themselves one thing, what would it be? But this show I want to end with something about Jack that I think is too cute background info is that he had this special education teacher that they loved from pre-k through second grade he used he used to call her this is what cracks me up this tells you how much we were trying to drill in him like behavioral stuff he called her miss barb is in charge (laughs) (laughs) miss barb is in charge (laughs) who's your teacher he'd say miss barb is in charge (laughs) He thought it was her name. I bet she loved that too. (laughs) She was like, if only everyone called me Miss Barbara's in charge. (laughs) Y'all, if you've never looked at the website for notes from the show, you need to go look this time. There's a super cute photo of Jack after he shaved off his eyebrows because he didn't want his parents to know what he was thinking anymore. Oh, it's so great. Um, so that's at headedsomeplace.com slash podcast slash zero seven. You can find me on Instagram at Z. That's K-A-R-A-D-A-W-N-Z. Music today by The Light Parade at youtube.com slash The Light Parade and Frontline Music. I hope today you feel a little less alone and a little more encouraged.